We would like to welcome you to another edition of The Jazz Show on CRTR FM 101.9 or, of course, on your computer, www.citr.ca. My name is Gavin Walker, and we're here until well after midnight with some of the very best in jazz music, and we go to all eras and different styles and all that kind of stuff, but it's jazz and the real thing, too. And we always start with our jazz feature, uh, which this evening is uh, a most interesting recording. And, of course, we have so many other things to play for you later on in the show after the jazz feature. But this one is very special. This is an album which came out on Contemporary Records, and it's called The Cry. And... The underlying theme of that album title is uh, the cry for freedom, musical freedom. The people involved here, uh, the legendary Prince Lachey, is actually the leader of the band. And um, Prince Lachey is a very interesting character. Um, His name is spelt L-A-S-H-A, and it's pronounced Lachey. And he altered his um, surname um, by a couple of letters. (laughs) He was born in Texas, and he was born in Fort Worth, Texas, and his uh, birth name was William Lasha, and he changed that, uh, changed took out the letter W, and uh, it became Lachey. And, of course, uh, he was always known as a prince. So (laughs) um, that became his name, his official name. Prince Lachey was born um, in Fort Worth, Texas, uh, September 10, 1929, and he died December 12, 2008, in Oakland, California. And he was 79 years old. He was um, a great alto saxophonist and also a baritone saxophonist. And he went to school with a bunch of very important people in um, Fort Worth. John Carter, the wonderful saxophonist, clarinetist. King Curtis who became uh, very, very popular, of course, as a saxophonist, Dewey Redman, who worked with Ornette Coleman, and, most prominently, Ornette Coleman himself. And uh, they were boyhood friends. Uh, they met in elementary school, hung out together, and learned music together. They had no teachers then and uh, that sort of thing, so they, taught, they both taught themselves. So there was a, a very strong influence on the development of Prince Lachey. And eventually, Ornette Coleman and Prince Lachey began playing in bands, and they discovered that they were making more money than, the, uh, than their high school teachers. And so they, they, they said, wow, you know, music is what we want to do. And, of course, that came from an inner desire as well. So uh, with that in mind, now... On this album, the co-star and the person that we're really focusing on is Prince Lachey's musical partner on here. And he is one of the most unique voices of the alto saxophone. 
And, of course, the theme for our shows this month is the alto saxophone and practitioners that um, are not as famous, say, as Charlie Parker or Phil Woods or Cannonball Adderley. These are um, saxophone players that are um, alto saxophone players that are underappreciated and in some cases underrecorded. So Prince Lachey's partner on this album is Sonny Simmons. He was born Huey Simmons and got the nickname Sonny. He was born in Louisiana, and he grew up in Oakland, California, and that's where he met Prince Lachey, who had moved on from Texas, um, lived in different parts of the country, and settled in Oakland, California. And these two guys met, and they formed a mutual admiration society because Sonny Simmons was also a self-taught and had his own way of playing, and they decided to uh, compose tunes and, and, uh, and play music together and uh, used different people and played some very small um, venues, coffee houses, uh, this sort of thing, uh, around the Oakland uh, area and in the Bay Area, in San Francisco as well, and really got their music together. And eventually, um, by the time uh, 1960 rolled around, they uh, decided to take a little tour and uh, uh, took a band to, uh, to Texas and uh, then to Santa Barbara, California, and to Los Angeles, where they were heard by the executive of Contemporary Records. And this was a very, very fine West Coast uh, recording company. And uh, Lester Koenig, who ran the label, was looking for new talent. And, of course, the music of Ornette Coleman uh, was beginning to be heard throughout the country. Um, and Contemporary Records were the first recording, was the first recording to record Ornette Coleman. So Lester Koenig had a sense of uh, adventure. And, and when he heard these two guys, Prince Lachey and Sonny Simmons, and their music together, he said, this is so refreshing, and he uh, decided to set them up in a recording uh, in Los Angeles. And it all happened in November of 1962. And it constituted the debut recording of Prince Lachey and Sonny Simmons. And, of course, um, they put together other musicians and, and made this wonderful recording, which was eventually released and called The Cry. And um, it's... An amazing recording. Uh, what is most interesting here is the the voice of uh, Prince Lachey, of course, is a wonderful flute player. He plays exclusively flute on this album, and uh, uh, along and uh, Sonny Simmons, of course, is featured on alto saxophone. Now, Prince Lachey is an excellent flute player, and so on. But the dominant voice here is alto saxophonist Sonny Simmons, and uh, all the compositions on this album are co-compositions. They were written by both of these guys, and they had been playing these tunes um, over the years together. So uh, this was basically their repertoire. So with that in mind, that's our jazz feature album, The Cry. And the other people involved here 
uh, bassist Mark Proctor, who was uh, well-known around the uh, Los Angeles uh, area. He worked with Claire Fisher and some other prominent musicians. Uh, he is the secondary bass player. The primary bass player, there's two bass players on here, the primary bass player is the great Gary Peacock. And this was one of his last recordings before he hopped a plane and headed for New York to uh, greater fame and uh, fortune. And wonderful bass player. And, of course, he is, takes a more dominant role on bass. Uh, Gary Peacock and Mark Proctor takes a secondary role. The drummer is a gentleman named Gene Stone. And he does all the right stuff uh, with this music. Um, uh, he keeps swings, keeps great time, gets a great sound out of his cymbals, and hits all the shots uh, right where they're supposed to be. And uh, uh, fits in beautifully with uh, the concepts of Prince Lachey and Sonny Simmons. Now, their music is a little more edgy than some of the jazz feature artists that, that we've played. But it's not alienating, and this album was extremely well uh, received by the critics because um, both Prince Lachey and Sonny Simmons recognize and, and come from a jazz tradition. So there's a lot of blues feel on this, much like Mornette Coleman's music. And uh, sure, there's moments of abstract playing and, and that sort of thing, but it's um, very, very appealing music, and I think that uh, most jazz listeners are going to like this recording because it's got a lot of charm and uh, a lot of interesting facets. So here we go with the, with the tunes. Uh, once again, I'll give you the personnel. Prince Lachey on flute, Sonny Simmons on alto saxophone, Gary Peacock on one bass, Mark Proctor on the other bass, and Gene Stone on drums. Compositions, they're all, as I said, they're all co-compositions by these two guys. We opened with one called Congo Call, and uh, I love this track. Um, the second tune is called Green and Gold. Now, you might figure out what that's all about. Tune number three is actually a reflection of all the musicians that came before these guys, Charlie Parker, Ornick Coleman, uh, et, et cetera, all the musicians that inspired them. Tune number three is called Ghost of the Past. Tune number four is a basic blues mood. And uh, I love this tune. It's called Red's Mood. And it's dedicated to a legendary Texas uh, saxophone player by the name of Red Connor, who was uh, a good friend of uh, Prince Lachey's. Tune number five is entitled Juanita. And it's uh, dedicated to Prince Lachey's mom. Then um, tune number six, only one bass player plays on here, and that's Gary Peacock. And the tune is called A-Y. And that stands for the way these guys feel about their audience, affectionately yours. Then uh, the final two tunes, Prince Lachey does not play on them, but the full band does. And my favorite track is track number seven, and it's dedicated to the great dancer, and it's called simply Bojangles. Tune number eight is kind of a reflection of the political climate of the day, and maybe, even though it was recorded in 1962, maybe today's uh, political climate, too. Uh, it's the final tune, and it's called Lost Generation.
So that's it. The album on Contemporary Records called The Cry. Our jazz feature for this evening. Prince Lachey and Sonny Simmons.
Our jazz feature this evening, a marvelous album that came out on Contemporary Records, recorded in Los Angeles in November of 1962. It was the Prince Lachey Quintet featuring Sonny Simmons, and it certainly did. Um, Prince Lachey on flute, 
and Sonny Simmons on alto saxophone. Incidentally, Sonny Simmons um, at on this recording uh, was playing a Grafton plastic alto saxophone, much like what Ornette Coleman did in the early part of his career and uh, what Charlie Parker did on the very famous um, Jazz at Massey Hall recording. And, uh, of course, um, those saxophones were made in, uh, in, in Britain, and they're actually very good, and they're very valuable now if, if you can find one in, in good condition. Anyway, um, both of these musicians, Prince Lachey, who grew up with Ornette Coleman and Sonny Simmons, um, were influenced by the music of Ornette Coleman, and uh, they did it, did it their own way, as you heard on this album. The people involved here, uh, Mark Proctor on bass, and the dominant voice on bass here was Gary Peacock. So on most of the tracks, there were the two bass players, but Peacock really dominated because, uh, well, he's just a tremendous bass player, and, and Proctor took the more... Um, sort of uh, co-author <laughs> uh, area of, of the bass. So he was, um, well, you could say he played second fiddle, right? Okay. Um, on drums, Gene Stone, very fine drummer who suited the music so well and, and could play straight ahead, free, all that kind of stuff. Very experienced drummer with a great sound on, on his uh, drum kit. All the compositions were co-compositions by Prince Lachey, and Sonny Simmons. And uh, we began with uh, a piece called Congo Call, and then we moved to one called Green and Gold, and then Ghost of the Past was track number three, and then we returned to a Charlie Parker-style blues entitled Red's Mood, and that was dedicated to a legendary saxophone player from Texas named Red Connor, uh, who was a friend of Lachey's and influenced him as well. Um, tune number five was a, a, a pretty thing entitled Juanita and dedicated to Lachey's mother. And um, then we deleted um, Mark Proctor on bass and just Gary Peacock for a tune called A.Y. And that, of course, was uh, the way Prince Lachey and Sonny Simmons felt about their audience, that uh, people that came out to hear them. And A-Y stands for Affectionately Yours. Then Prince Lachey uh, does not appear on the final two tunes. It's just simply Sonny Simmons, Gary Peacock, and Gene Stone. And my favorite track is track number seven, Bojangles. And the final tune is a very free-form, um, almost solo uh, for most of the track, uh, by Sonny Simmons, kind of dedicated to the turmoil and political turmoil and racial turmoil of the times, and um, I guess it could reflect today as well. The tune was entitled Lost Generation. The Cry, Sonny Simmons and Prince Lachey. Now, they stayed together for a number of years. They actually recorded a second album in 1967, um, for the same label, Contemporary Records, with some different people, and um, continued their uh, their musical odyssey. 
After this uh, was recorded, they, uh, they both ventured off to New York and ended up playing with John Coltrane. Uh, they recorded with uh, drummer Elvin Jones um, and also made some significant recordings with uh, Eric Dolphy and uh, all those people. So they were very well-respected musicians. And um, then, of course, after um, they, they split up on their own, Prince Lachey uh, had a very interesting career, lived in England for many years. Uh, I, myself, played a concert with Prince Lachey uh, in Bellingham, Washington, way back uh, many, many years ago. And it was, uh, it was lots of fun. And it was great to meet this rather legendary character. Prince Lachey passed away a few years ago in uh, Oakland, California, where he, um, he was originally from Texas, of course, Fort Worth, but he spent most of his years, uh, final years, in Oakland. And he was 79 when he passed away. Sonny Simmons was born in Louisiana and moved to Oakland when he was a young man. He was born August 4th, 1933, and he remains semi-active, mostly in Europe. He's still playing. He's 85 and uh, is still playing. Sonny had a, a career that was up and down and sort of thing. Um, he was also homeless for many years and played on the streets of San Francisco. But uh, things got a little better for him, and um, he managed to get all kinds of bookings over in Europe. And that's where he, he um, plays uh, to this day, and uh, as far as I know, he is still very much with us, Sonny Simmons, the alto saxophone. It's a very distinctive voice, and of course, part of our um, November jazz feature, where we're uh, doing a whole series of uh, very, very fine alto saxophonists who um, really uh, deserve a little more recognition for their uh, individual approach to the instrument and uh, the fact that they are incredible musicians, Sonny Simmons being one of them. And, of course, on this record uh, that we just heard, The Cry, Sonny Simmons was really the most uh, dominant voice on here. Wonderful player. And, uh, as I said, happy to say he's still, as far as I know, still with us. All right. You are listening to The Jazz Show on CITR 101.9 on your FM dial, and of course on your computer for live streaming, www.citr.ca. And we'll be right back after these important messages, this being one of them. My name's Gavin Walker, by the way. The October issue of Discorder is out now. BB kicks off this issue of Discorder with her final editor's note, an essay on gratitude and compensation. In this month's issue, Discorder covers the Vancouver municipal election. Check that out and go vote on October 20. There's features on I Am You Are, Wrong Wave Number 6, The VIF Mentorship Program, Super Sick Podcast, and a multimedia art project by Jimena Velasquez. There's also live show reviews of Millennial Line Comedy and Poetry, Records and Readings, Sawdust Collector with Katie Duck, and other gems. There's also additional reviews of albums, new books, and VIF screenings. Special thanks to our advertisers. Blueprint, Timber Concerts, The Rickshaw, The Cinematheque, The Vancouver Podcast Festival, Quiet City, Vancouver New Music, Creative BC, The Vancouver Art Book Fair, The Vancouver International Film Festival, and The AMS. 
Concerts in CITR present Wild Nothing with guests with Men I Trust. Wednesday, October 31st at the Imperial. Tickets are available online and at Red Cap Main Street, Red Cat Hastings Street, and Zulu Records. You're listening to CITR 101.9, broadcasting from UBC's Point Grey campus, located on the traditional, unceded, Coast Salish territory of the Hunkamenim-speaking Musqueam people. I'd just like to mention that there is a tremendous book. I was part of the book launch uh, last week at Neptune Records of a wonderful book by Marion Jago. And it is the first book about jazz and the jazz scene in Vancouver, and it focuses on the original seller. Now, I'm not talking about Corey Weed's cellar. That came later. Uh, that was inspired by the original cellar. But the original cellar began in 1956 here in Vancouver and, also, and went to about 1964. And, of course, it bred uh, some other like clubs uh, that were actually run by musicians, um, the Java Jazz, which uh, went down to, uh, was down on Spanish banks, and that became, uh, moved up to Broadway and became the Flat Five. And before that, up on Dunbar Street was the Black Spot, and, um, which younger musicians performed at. But the, uh, the focus is really on the cellar and uh, clubs that uh, existed across Canada, in Calgary, in uh, Edmonton, and also in Halifax as well. And uh, um, um, very interesting and beautifully written book by Marion Jago. And the book is called Jazz at the Cellar. And uh, it really covers uh, a whole area and uh, some great Vancouver history um, about our strange relationship with booze here in <laughs> Vancouver and the liquor laws, the strange liquor laws we have. Uh, we still have a lot of strange ones, but they are getting better. Um, it, it covers all that and uh, all kinds of things. And the reason why um, the cellar uh, really uh, existed and, and why it came into being, because it was, it was time in Vancouver for that sort of thing to happen. And, of course, it, it predated uh, all kinds of things, uh, cultural events. And the, the cellar was really a cultural center and, of course, um, produced so, uh, great musicians and uh, people like Al Neal, uh, P.J. Perry, uh, and, and, and so many others. Anyway, this great book, uh, is now out. It's published by the UBC Press, and um, it can be obtained from uh, going on to UBC Press um, uh, website, which is www.ubcpress.ca. But the book is actually available in, in various bookstores, Hagar's Books in Carisdale, um, Indigo, various locations of that store, the People's Co-op Bookstore down on Commercial Drive, and, of course, the UBC bookstore. And you can also pick it up at uh, Neptune Records. 
at uh, Main Street. They have a, a lot of copies up there. Um, and it is, I guarantee, it's a wonderful read, and um, you get a whole uh, idea of um, a different part of, of Vancouver history here. And, and we have a tendency to kind of let history just drop off and forget about it. And it's really interesting how, the, how um, this club and various other clubs um, influence the evolution of culture in Vancouver. So that's a good book, Marion Jago. Um, Marion, and Jago is spelled J-A-G-O. And as I mentioned before, the book is available through UBC Press, www.ubcpress.ca. All right, we're going to get back to some music here. And this is the Charles Tolliver Big Band. Charles Tolliver is a major trumpet player. And, of course, he's always been a mover and shaker in, in jazz, and he formed a, a big band in New York City back in the 70s. Uh, the feature, it, it's just full of jazz stars here, not all of them solo, um, uh, but this, uh, the names here, I can read them all off, and you recognize most of them. Uh, they're, they're very prominent musicians. And uh, Charles wrote all the arrangements and the tunes, and uh, everything else. And, of course, he solos and, and plays on here. We're going to hear two tunes with the Charles Tolliver Big Band. And I will tell you the rhythm section. Um, Reggie Workman is the bass player. And also Clint Houston plays um, um, bass on a couple of tracks as well, along with Reggie, uh, Reginald Workman. And um, Clifford Barbaro is the drummer. Warren Smith is on percussion. Uh, etc. And of course, a huge um, array of uh, jazz stars playing, you know, trumpets, trombones, saxophones, etc., etc. So the first piece of music is called Impact, and that's a Charles Tolliver composition and features uh, solos by Charles Tolliver and the wonderful and still alive James Spaulding on alto saxophone. And the second tune we're going to hear is uh, one of my favorite Tolliver compositions is called Plight. And it features, once again, Charles uh, soloing on trumpet and James Spaulding, once again, on alto saxophone and the great Stanley Cowell on piano. So two tunes from the Charles Tolliver Big Band. And we begin with Impact.
the big band of Charles Tolliver. And that featured, of course, as I mentioned before, it's just full of uh, recognizable musicians in here. And I said I could run off all the names. Um, it's a huge band, and uh, you would recognize most of them. However, we'll just uh, deal with the soloists and some great uh, work by the rhythm section, including uh, uh, Reg Reginald Workman on bass and uh, Clifford Barbaro on drums, and uh, some conga work as well with uh, Big Black. And uh, yeah, and we'll tell you the uh, Charles Tolliver, of course, wrote all the arrangements for the band and plays the trumpet and uh, conducts and leads the band. And we heard two Charles Tolliver compositions. The first one was entitled Impact, and it featured uh, Charles on trumpet, of course, as I mentioned, and James Spaulding on alto saxophone. And both of these gentlemen, I'm happy to say, are both very much alive. And the second tune was called Plight, and that, that featured... Um, Tolliver, once again, on trumpet, James Spaulding on alto saxophone, and Stanley Cowell on piano, the Charles Tolliver Big Band, all recorded in New York City in January of 1975. And we will return. You are listening to The Jazz Show on CITR-FM 101.9 or on your computer, www.citr.ca. My name is Gavin Walker, and we were... Be right back after these um, messages with some more music from a great Canadian band. We'll tell you more about that after these messages. Without the help and support of our friends, we here at CITR wouldn't be able to bring you all the great music, art, cinema, and culture that you love. Thanks to the long-standing support from the Rio Theatre, we are able to keep you informed on all the great artists, films, and everything else coming to town there. For all the current information about who and what's playing at the Rio Theatre, visit their website at www.riotheatre.ca. Starting fresh this year and looking for new, exciting activities to do with friends on campus? Did you watch theater in high school and now miss it? Feeling overwhelmed and need a break? Come and escape to another world through thrilling live performance right on campus. Celebrate with us the 60th anniversary of UBC Theater and Films 2018-19 season. <laughs> Still need more convincing? It's only 11.50 for UBC students with your card. And bring your ticket into Kerner's after the show to get 10% off your food. Check out theaterfilm.ubc.ca today. had such a nice stretch of weather, and uh, I know that the 
the weather system is beginning to uh, break down a little bit, but uh, it's going to stay for the next couple of days anyway. Clear is the forecast for tonight with some fog patches, of course. This time of year, yeah, we're going to get that in different parts of uh, the lower mainland. So that's happening, and it's going to go down to about 6 degrees tonight. Tomorrow is going to be uh, sunny, but with increasing cloud in the afternoon and evening, with a low of 6 and a high of 15. And there's possibility of uh, maybe a bit of a shower uh, tomorrow night. But then Wednesday is going to be sunny, with a low of 9 and a high of 14. And then the downturn. Thursday, rain. Friday, rain. uh, Low temperatures between 9 and 11, and uh, highs between 12 and 14. Saturday is going to be cloudy with a 60% chance of a shower, with a low of 8 and a high of 15. And Sunday, pretty well the same, and with a low of 8 and a high of 15 as well for Sunday. So, yeah, there is that change happening. Okay, well... We've, it's sure been a great stretch, though. Whoa. And we're still going to enjoy it for the next few days. I'd like to tell you um, about a concert that's coming up uh, in Vancouver at the Queen Elizabeth Theater. And it's with a wonderful artist by the name of Lisa Ono. And Lisa sings um, basically uh, variations on Bossa Nova, and she sings in several different languages as well. And she sings in uh, Portuguese, Japanese, and English, and she's very, very talented. She's bringing her band. She's actually uh, got about 30 albums out. She's been around. She's very, very popular in Japan and many Asian countries, and it's a really um, a great honor to have her here in Vancouver. And she is going to be performing at the Queen Elizabeth Theater, as I mentioned, on November 4th at 7.30 p.m. Tickets start at $58, and they're available through uh, Ticketmaster.ca or 1-855-985-5000. And she uh, reflects the music of Rio de Janeiro and, uh, and the Ipanema and all, this, all our, um, that feel in in her music. She's actually um, sold about 200 million records, and she's uh, quite an amazing performer. And if you've never heard of Lisa Ono, now's your chance. Um, If you're interested and and like jazz music as well, um, this kind of artist is very appealing to people that, uh, that love jazz because there's a lot to relate to in her music. So Lisa Ono, Queen Elizabeth Theater, November 4th, 7.30 p.m., and tickets start at 58 bucks at Ticketmaster or 1-855-985-5000. I did mention a Canadian band, and this is a band called Way North, and it features a group of young musicians from... uh, the Toronto area, including Rebecca Hennessy on trumpet. She is incredibly talented. And um, Peter Kenkura on tenor saxophone. Michael Herring on bass. And Richie Barchet 
on drums. And there's just four musicians here and uh, some wonderful compositions. Uh, the first tune is by um, Peter Kinkura, and it's called Bowl Weevil. And it's got kind of that uh, New Orleans um, second line feel to it. Uh, the second tune is called Lagoon, and that was written by Rebecca Hennessy. And the third tune was written by the drummer, Richie Barchet. And it's um, really has kind of almost a, a klezmer feel to it. And that tune is called Airport to Nowhere. So we're going to hear these three tunes from this uh, marvelous album. Way North is the title of the album, Fearless and Kind. And uh, once again, Rebecca Hennessy on trumpet, Peter Kinkura on tenor saxophone, Michael Herring on bass, and Richie Barchet on drums. Let's sit back and enjoy this band. I'm going to play the right tunes. That was not, <laughs> that's another tune from the album. And those are, uh, that's not the tune I meant to play. So, okay. Here it comes now. So we're going to hear the first tune called Bull Weevil.
We heard three tunes from this uh, Canadian band, Way North, and uh, they are Toronto-based musicians. There's only four of them, and we heard uh, three compositions from this album. Their um, new album is called Fearless and Kind, and uh, it's you can uh, check it out on your computer, www waynorthband.com waynorthband of course is all one word waynorthband.com the people involved here are Rebecca Hennessy wonderful trumpeter and Peter Kenkura on tenor saxophone Michael Herring on bass and Richie Barche on drums and we heard three um, a whole variety of compositions or different styles within the three tunes we heard. The first one was uh, the New Orleans kind of second line feel. It was called Bull Weevil. The second tune was entitled Lagoon. Actually, Bull Weevil was written by Peter Kinkura, the tenor saxophonist. Lagoon was written by Rebecca Hennessy. And tune number three, called Airport to Nowhere, was written by drummer Richie Barche. Way North is the name of the band. Good sounds from just four people that really, really sounded together. We're going to return to a classic recording, one of my all-time favorite recordings by the classic John Coltrane Quartet. This particular piece of music, I remember when it came out on this uh, album. The album is called simply Coltrane. It had a blue cover, and this is the opening track on the album. And I had heard um, John Coltrane uh, um, in person just once before I heard this album, and I thought when I heard this particular track, I, uh, I really felt this represents what the band sounds like in person. And um, several people agreed with me on that, uh, those that had heard the Coltrane Quartet in person. And yet, this was captured in the recording studio, uh, optimum recording conditions in Rudy Van Gelder's studio. Anyway, we're going to hear this incredible piece of music by the Coltrane Quartet. And it is John Coltrane on tenor saxophone. Of course, McCoy Tyner at the piano, Jimmy Garrison on bass, and some incredible drumming here by Elvin Jones. And the tune is um, Coltrane's Variations on Harold Arlen's great tune called Out of This World, John Coltrane. Thank you. 
The little blues in the key of A flat was entitled Up Against the Wall. And that featured, of course, John Coltrane on tenor saxophone. There's no piano on that track, just Jimmy Garrison on bass. And, of course, this incredible drumming by the late, great Elvin Jones. And before that, we heard this classic track by the classic quartet with... Coltrane on tenor saxophone, McCoy Tyner at the piano, Jimmy Garrison on bass, and Elvin Jones on drums, and Coltrane's interpretation of Harold Arlen's great tune, Out of This World. And uh, both of these tracks are from a deluxe edition of um, an Impulse album called Coltrane. And uh, some tremendous stuff by the John Coltrane Quartet. You know, a lot of people who shun jazz, they say, you know, it's, um, a lot of people say, well, it's, you know, it's, it's too busy, um, it, it, it's all this frantic stuff, um, all this, you know, kind of stuff, and I, I can't follow it, <laughs> things like that. And, and, of course, you know, music is, is um, very definitely something uh, which is very personal to a lot of people. And, and of course, people have personal tastes in music. 
um, sometimes, you know, you, you might just love a piece of music and then you speak to someone who is a good friend of yours and they say, oh, I can't stand that. And, of course, <laughs> it always kind of raises uh, a few hackles because uh, how do you respond to that? Well, it's just that you might respond to a piece of music just and say, I love this, and somebody else is going to say, oh, you know, it's, it's okay, you know, <laughs> this sort of thing. Anyway, regardless, uh, as I've heard people uh, tell me uh, why they don't like jazz, and um, a lot of times it's because it's too busy for them and, uh, or um, they don't know, really, uh, uh, they're unfamiliar with the instruments that, that play jazz. They can recognize the saxophone and perhaps the trumpet, but this, um, that's really not in their uh, um, realm of reality. Uh, um, you know, and then when they hear a, a, a jazz guitar, it doesn't sound like rock and roll guitar. <laughs> so uh, they get alienated from that, too. Anyway, my thing is, this is a long piece of music. It's done live. It was recorded at the Village Vanguard by the Mel Waldron Quintet. And it features the late, great Woody Shaw on trumpet, on tenor saxophone, Charlie Rouse, on piano, Mel Waldron, the leader, on bass, Reginald Workman, and on drums, Eddie Blackwell. Mel Waldron, of course, is an iconic musician and composer. And um, he lived in Europe for many, many years. And, uh, of course, lived in different countries and gigged in all over Europe. And he wrote this piece called The Seagulls, or The Seagulls, of Christiansund. So if you can imagine being on an isolated beach on a beautiful day with the ocean right there, but very calm, maybe just little waves and lots of birds, seagulls, and just walking and walking and walking. We can do that here in Vancouver sometimes, too. Um, various beaches are like that, but I'm talking about a beach that goes on sort of for miles, and you just take a long walk and uh, think about all kinds of things. And this is what this music is, piece of music is kind of reflective of, which is why Mel Waldron wrote it and why this band plays it. And this is a whole other side of improvised jazz music. So I hope you enjoy the Seagulls of Christian Land. Mel Waldron and his quintet. Woody Shaw, trumpet. Charlie Rouse, tenor saxophone. Mr. Waldron on piano. Reggie Workman on bass. And Ed Blackwell on drums.
Thank you. 
recorded at the Village Vanguard in New York in the early 80s. That was the Mel Waldron Quintet and a very um, languid piece of music called The Seagulls of Christensund. Mel Waldron's composition and his quintet with Woody Shaw on trumpet, Charlie Rouse on tenor saxophone, Reggie Workman on bass, and Ed Blackwell on drums. The Seagulls of Christensund. Beautiful piece of music. I hope you uh, enjoyed that kind of tranquil feel that was uh, created throughout that whole piece of music. We're going to turn back the clock to the late 30s and the Benny Goodman Quartet and a couple of pieces that are uh, just classic. It featured, um, of course, the the drummer with um, Benny Goodman was Gene Krupa, but uh, Goodman and Krupa parted ways in um, February of 1958, uh, uh, February of 1938, and Krupa went on to form his own band. And a new drummer came in, a wonderfully tasteful uh, drummer, not like Gene Krupa at all. Um, He was a a master of uh, uh, the brush strokes and uh, just so much more subtle uh, than, than Gene Krupa. And I always thought that maybe he was really the perfect drummer for the Goodman Quartet. And I'm talking about Dave Tuff, who was um, not only uh, an amazing drummer, he was an intellectual as well. And sad to say, his life was pretty well ruined by alcoholism. But uh, he remains to this day uh, one of the most iconic drummers in the history of jazz music, Dave Tuff. So we hear the Benny Goodman Quartet with Mr. Goodman on clarinet, Lionel Hampton on vibes, the great Teddy Wilson on piano, and Davey Tuff on drums. We're going to hear two pieces of music by the quartet. First one is called Dizzy Spells and features some amazing brushwork. And the second one is called Opus A Half, the Benny Goodman Quartet. ¶¶ 
Two Pieces of Music by the Benny Goodman Quartet. With Mr. Goodman on clarinet, Lionel Hampton on vibes, Teddy Wilson on piano, and the great heralded drummer, Davey Tuff. I I always thought he was the perfect drummer for this small band. Um, His uh, subtlety and all this kind of stuff. Very intricate. We'll continue with... um, an interesting piece of music that was recorded a little bit later um, in late 1939 by the Benny Goodman Quintet. So we have on piano, we have Teddy Wilson, we have Lionel Hampton on vibes, much like the quartet, but this time John Kirby on bass and a new drummer who replaced Davy Tuff Buddy Schutz on drums. And this is a great piece of music. I remember I, uh, many years ago, I had the 78 of this. And unfortunately, I busted it. And I could never replace it. I was, I was brokenhearted because I listened to this piece of music um, over and over. I think I wore out the album. And then, <laughs> and then I ha- accidentally bumped against something and... and uh, the record was finished, sad to say. And uh, it took me years before I could uh, find a replacement uh, for this piece of music. Anyway, it's a composition by Benny Goodman, and he dedicated it to his brother, um, who had opened a rib joint in in New York City, um, sold barbecued ribs and so on. So he dedicated the, the tune to his brother. It's called Pick a Rib. And here it is, the Benny Goodman Quintet, Pick a Rib, Part 1 and 2.
Benny Goodman Quintet, December of 1938, Benny on clarinet and Lionel Hampton on vibes, Teddy Wilson on piano, and John Kirby on bass, and Buddy Schutz on drums. And uh, part one and part two of Benny Goodman's composition entitled Pick a Rib. We're going to change the pace and play you one of the legendary trumpet players. Played with Charlie Parker, and of course uh, had a career that uh, had its ups and downs, and um, lots of ups, lots of downs. And uh, passed away a few years ago. Great trumpet player by the name of Red Rodney. And here he is with um, the wonderful Iris Sullivan on tenor saxophone, who is still alive and well, lives in Florida now. Tommy Flanagan on piano, one of the greatest 
modern jazz bass players, Oscar Pettiford, and on drums, the incredible, as always, Philly Joe Jones. We're going to hear three standard tunes to uh, close tonight's program. We're going to begin with um, a great tune that Charlie Parker actually put on the jazz map uh, with his interpretation of the tune, and uh, it was played by every jazz musician you could imagine. The tune is written by Ray and DePaul and called Star Eyes, Star Eyes. Second tune is um, a pretty ballad entitled You Better Go Now, and the third tune is the redoubtable composition Stella by Starlight. So three standard tunes played by the Red Rodney Quintet. Thank you. 
We heard three tunes from a great uh, quintet put together by so often overlooked wonderful trumpet player Red Rodney. And of course, as I mentioned before, Red had a up and down career in uh, in jazz music, <laughs> like a lot of musicians, and um, successes, failures, flops, tragedy, all this kind of stuff. Um, Red, of course, uh, really uh, was put on the map by Charlie Parker. He he worked with uh, Charlie Parker for uh, a couple of years. Was his trumpeter, and uh, then went on to his own career. This is from a, a session that he did um, in 1957. And it featured, of course, the great and still living Ira Sullivan on tenor saxophone, from uh, originally from Chicago, and on piano, the poet of the piano, Tommy Flanagan, and on bass, Oscar Pettiford, and on drums, Philly Joe Jones. We heard three standard tunes that have become part of the uh, jazz lexicon, the first one was uh, written by Ray and DePaul, and Charlie Parker put that one on the map. It's called Star Eyes. The second one is a very pretty ballad, um, not often played, but a quality standard called You Better Go Now. And the final tune, of course, was uh, uh, an old favorite, which is done by everybody, uh, Stella by Starlight. Red Rodney. Well, that's it for another edition of The jazz show on CITR. We certainly hope uh, that you enjoyed some of the show. If you were with us for the whole time, good on you. And if you were here for just part of the time, that's great too. So on behalf of myself, Gavin Walker, The Jazz Show, and of course uh, CITR FM 101.9 or on your computer www.citr.ca Take care of yourselves and um, Just enjoy what's left of the uh, wonderful fall weather we've had uh, before the rains come, and um, take care of business, and we'll see you soon. Next week, next Monday night at 9 p.m. Bye-bye. Do but do.
Thank you.